Welcome to episode 54 of the Winning to Wealth podcast, side hustling your way out of $40,000 worth of debt. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What is up, Wealthy Fam? This is episode 54 of the Winning to Wealth podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here with me because, as always, you're going to get some practical tips in this episode that will help you continue to rack up money wins on your way to building wealth. This week, I have joining me Miss Ashley Lee, host of the Financial Key podcast. Ashley picked up a few side hustles and ultimately paid off $40,000 worth of debt as a single woman living alone in a super high cost of living area. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about the ups and the downs of her personal journey out of debt. Now, if this is your first time here, I definitely want to invite you into my private Facebook community where... Almost 15,000 people talk every single day about money. They share their wins. They share their challenges. They share the questions that never got answered in school or at home. And you're more than welcome to do the same. To find the group, just look in the episode description or you can just search winningtowealth.com slash teammates. That is winningtowealth.com slash teammates. Also, starting today and going through November, you can download debt-free coloring charts on my website for absolutely free. Now, I created these charts for the sole purpose of helping you stay motivated to reach whatever financial goal you're working towards, whether it's paying off debt, saving for a house, or even hitting an investing goal that you've set. Just head over to winningtowealth.com slash shop, download however many you need, print them out, and start tracking your progress in this super fun, super cool way. But hey, again, thank you for being here today. Now, let's jump right into this episode with Ashley Lee from the Financial Key Podcast. Ashley, welcome to the Winning to Wealth Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I'm really looking forward to sharing your story this week. Um, So again, thank you for being here. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here, Michael. Awesome. Well, hey, I like to start the episodes off by really just having you talk about just some of the money lessons that you learned in childhood. Absolutely. So um, I grew up in a single parent home. So my earliest memory is just seeing how my mom would handle the bills. Um, So one of my chores as a kid was to go outside, go to the mailbox, bring in the mail, and then she would tell me to put any bills on her desk. So that was my chore. I would go out to the mailbox each day, and then I'll put the mail on her desk. What happened to it after that, I wasn't really sure, but I do remember like just kind of peeking into the office, and I would just see her at the table just like writing out checks and just having different piles of like bills. So that was kind of like my earliest, um, I would say, memory. And I just know that she was always very, very organized with money, um, and she was very on top of things. So I think that's where, like, my love for, like, Excel spreadsheets and budgets, like, just seeing how she um, just had a love for it. Um, and then growing up, especially, it was just my brother and I, um, and I think out of the two of us, I was the one that would definitely ask for more things. 
because um, at the time I didn't really know where money came from. I just knew like if I asked my mom, you know, if she could get it, she would get it. If she couldn't, you know, she'll just tell me like, um, you know, we can save for it. So that was definitely one of my earliest memories. I would ask and I didn't really ask for anything like far-fetched. Like if we go to Walmart, I'll just say like, hey, can I get this toy? Um, and a lot of the time she would, but as I started to get older and I guess like out of that age where, you know, you're just kind of getting to get, she definitely instilled in me the importance of saving for what you want and also being able to go into a store and not get something every single time. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, if we're going into Walmart, like I have to get something. Um, so I think that was probably my earliest memory of her just teaching me the importance of saving and the importance of just being content with what you have. I love that. So, I mean, let's talk about it. So did that lesson of always saving money, did that carry over into your maybe college years or early adulthood years? Somewhat. Um, it definitely carried when I was at home. So, um, I think when I was maybe about 13 or 14, I was able to like set up a little account and each time that I would get allowance every two weeks for doing certain things around the house, she made it a point that we would go to the credit union and a portion of the money that she gave me, I had to save. So I think um, I had the foundation from living at home, but then once I moved out and went to school and kind of saw like how my peers was spending money and nobody was really talking about like, oh yeah, I set aside this much for saving. I'm like, oh, well, I don't need to save either. So I think I kind of like drifted away from it. Um, but just having that foundation and knowing the importance of it, I'm, I'm glad that I did have that experience as a child. But um, in my late teens and early 20s, I definitely drifted away from <laughs> her initial teachings. <laughs> so eventually you find yourself in a little over $40,000 worth of debt. So do you think that your drifting away from, you know, those teachings that your mom gave you is kind of what spurred a lot of that on? I think so. I definitely think so. So once I moved away from home um, and I was in college, one of my first jobs at school, I worked at the mall um, express specifically. And at that time, they were like pushing credit cards you know, their charge cards on everyone. So I remember my manager saying like, hey, um, if you open up a charge card at the store, like I'll let you have a longer lunch. So I was like, oh, bet. So <laughs> I opened up the charge card and that, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was just like a longer lunch. Yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> so, and I feel like that's kind of like what started because that was my very first like um, credit card. And I do remember when my mom moved me in on campus, so this was back in like 2007, 2008. This is back when like credit card companies were allowed to be on campus. Um, so I, I don't know if you have that experience, but um, I remember my mom moving me into the dorm and um, Discover had a table like literally like right outside the door. Um, they had like different t-shirts. They had like little basketballs, just different things like that. And my mom's like, no, like keep walking. And I just was like, mom, I'm like, I'm grown now. I'm in college. I think I need a credit card. So the fact that she shut it down so quick when I had the opportunity to get a credit card at the job I was working at and my mom wasn't there to tell me like, no, like I was all for it. So I think that's kind of what started the cycle of my relationship with debt. So <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, that's mm -hmm. really the catalyst for a lot of us. It's like 
that one opportunity, the one place or the right place at the right time, like that's really kind of what kickstarts the debt free journey for a lot of us. Like a lot of us, I don't think anybody just wakes up and they're like, oh, I want to be $40,000 in debt by next year. Like it just kind of gradually happens, right? And so what was that process like for you? So like, you know, you get the, the, the card, how else did you add to your debt? Um, so also on campus, there's like a credit union. So I had switched the credit union that my mom and I had opened up when I was younger and there was like a university credit union. So it was, you know, a lot more convenient. So I was working on campus. So my direct deposit was going there. So I asked my mom, like, can I just transfer everything at this credit union? So then I don't have to travel back and forth because everything is on campus. So she said, sure, no problem. So in doing that, I went to the credit union and I opened up the account. And then, you know, as they always say, like, oh, well, you know, you should open up a credit card as well. So I went from having the express charge card where I can only use it at the store. And then now I have a credit union at or excuse me, a credit card at my university. So from there, it's kind of like the floodgates just open. So I realized I wasn't constricted to just using it at a particular store. Like this is a credit card that I can use everywhere. So if anything I wanted, whether it's like an outfit or, you know, if I was going out that weekend and I wanted another outfit or my friends and I were ordering pizzas or whatever it was, like it was going on that credit card. And it just became like such a slippery slope. I was cool with making the minimum payment. I think at the time it might have been $25, which was fine. So I was like, well, as long as I make the minimum payment, I'm still responsible. So I, I made sure not to have any like late fees, but I also wasn't paying attention to how much money I was putting on the card each month. And I definitely wasn't aggressively paying it off. So I was fine with the minimum payment of the $25. And I think of that $25, I think... 18 was going towards the interest. So I practically wasn't paying anything at all. And it just kind of was like a vicious cycle from there. So, okay. So then you find yourself $40,000 in debt at that point. What all went into that $40,000 worth of debt? So I had credit cards. um, I had student loans. So um, by the grace of God, I actually was able to get out of undergrad without any student debt. So I had a full tuition, a full ride. So I didn't have any student debt going, um, leaving undergrad, but I wanted to go on to graduate school afterwards and I wanted to go out of state. And I also chose a private <laughs> Catholic university. So I had to pull student loans to pay for my graduate education. So it was credit cards, um, student loans. And then I also had a paid off card. And then once I finished undergrad, I felt like I needed a grown up car because I had a grown up job. So I sold my paid off car to finance another car. So then I also had um, a car loan mixed into that as well. I want to ask, did this feel normal to you or was something in the back of your mind saying like, this is something's not right. Something's not adding up. Something just doesn't feel right about this. Yeah, so it definitely felt normal for a very long time. I think when I finally had that light bulb moment is when I reached a point in my career that I was making more money than I ever had before, but I was still feeling like that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle was still in my life. So it it was as if I didn't have any type of salary increase since college because it's like I was 
barely making it in college. And, you know, that kind of just goes with the experience, like the broke college student. So I understood living paycheck to paycheck then. But even like four or five years post undergrad, and I'm still feeling that pull of like, I can barely make it to the next paycheck. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I understand why I was broke in college, but why, you know, at 25, do I still feel like I'm trying to like, put things together to pay this bill on time or different things like that. So I think that's when I finally was like, "Mm, this doesn't feel right. So I think that's when like the light bulb kind of went off in my head. Okay. So you have your moment, the light bulb goes off from that point. Was that when you decided to change? Because I know some people like they have that moment where, okay, something's got to change, but it's like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And so they just don't do anything yet. Um, But for you, was that, what was your story like? So at that point, when I had the light bulb moment, my um, what I thought I could do to rectify the situation or fix the situation is make more money. So that's when I started like picking up part time jobs, doing different side hustles. So I just thought I could make more than my spending habits. So my spending habits and the lifestyle creep was was all still there. But I was just like, I'll just make more money and then I won't feel so you know, tied each and every time I have to make a bill payment. And it just went to the point where it's like, I'm making more and more money. I'm trying to do more and more side hustles. And my lifestyle creep is still like, as my income is going up, the lifestyle creep is going up as well. And it just never, I just never had any margin at the end of the month or even in between paychecks. So I know, or I think I read somewhere that part of your story was like, you lost your job at one point. So how did it feel like having this debt um, and then your income gets cut like completely out from under you? Yeah, it actually made me and I'm so glad. And, you know, of course, as they say, 2020 or hindsight is 2020. I'm so glad that that happened to me because had I not been in that situation, I was doing OK. I was like coasting by. Nothing was ever shut off or I had any late fees. So things were still getting paid. I just didn't have any margin to save. I didn't have any margin to invest. But it wasn't until I lost my job when I realized like, I'm not in a good financial position at all. So at the time when I lost my job, I had already finished graduate school and I thought I had this amazing job out of graduate school that, you know, like I worked so hard for. And at the time, I think my credit score was probably like around 730, 740. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I have to be good with money because my credit score wouldn't be high. But it wasn't until I lost my job and I realized I didn't have anything in savings. I didn't have an emergency fund. um, And I, I, I really was living paycheck to paycheck. So when they brought my team into the conference room to let us know that um, they weren't renewing our contract. And this was like right before Christmas. So I'm thinking like, oh, you know, there's still more Christmas gifts I need to get. And then my birthday is in January. So I had a, a big international trip planned for my birthday. And then to get hit with that news, like, you know, we're not bringing you all back after the holidays. I think that was like the biggest wake up call. Um, that I'm not in a good financial position at all. So it didn't matter what my credit court, my credit score said, I wasn't in a good position at all. And I wasn't as good with money as I thought I was. You know, it's interesting that when you got laid off or let go, your first thought was like, oh, I can't buy stuff for other people. Oh, I can't buy stuff for myself. Like it wasn't necessarily like, how am I going to get by with all this debt? And it's, it was like, oh, man, I can't buy stuff. So can you talk a little bit about your mentality just as a spender during that time? 
Um, so around that time, I had just, like I said, I had just finished graduate school. So I felt like, okay, I am an adult now. Like I um, just found this really nice town home and I was renting it and I was just, you know, having a good time. I was still in like my late 20s. Um, so my friends and I were kind of still all on the same path, like career wise. So we were, you know, using our extra time, our extra money to travel a lot, to go out, to eat a lot. Um, I'm originally from Kentucky, like I said earlier. So I moved to the East Coast and I didn't know brunch was such a thing here until I moved here. And it just became like a weekly, a weekly thing uh, with my friends and I. So, you know, we were all. I guess looking at each other like, oh, well, you know, we all went to the same school. We all had similar career paths. So I was thinking like, oh, well, if they're financing cars or they have this luxury apartment, like I can afford it too. So it was a lot of just like looking at other people and comparing like what they were doing and assuming like, oh, well, we're in the same age demographic. We're in similar careers. Like if they have money to do that, I certainly should have the same money. So it was a lot of just trying to keep up with my friends, keep up with this new lifestyle of living um, in this area, as well as just a lot of like you deserve. So I had finished school. So I just had a lot of you deserve moments like Ashley, you deserve, you know, this or you deserve this trip or you deserve to get this outfit or this bag. And I think that's where I just got into like a tailspin of credit card debt because I just kept telling myself I deserve it. And it wasn't until I lost my job that I didn't, you know, that I realized how deep of a hole that I had dug for myself. Oh, I, I love that so much. Like the, the you deserve mentality is such a prevalent thing. And like one day I just real for me personally, I had this moment where I realized, dude, like the only thing you deserve is the stuff that you can actually afford, like the stuff that you work to earn money for anything that you finance, you don't deserve it because you can't technically afford it. So but I want to go back to your story. So like, is it safe to say that like you losing your job, was that the beginning of your debt free journey? Yes, it was. So that was the point where it's like, I can't push finances in a closet and not, you know, want to touch it or not want to really think about it. I think before, since I was coasting and I was just kind of getting by and I knew I could expect, you know, another check the following week or the following two weeks, um, I was kind of still like in a bubble, but it, it was once that bubble popped and I knew that another check wasn't coming and I really had to face my finances. I really had to look at the decisions that I was making and even like the triggers to why I was spending money at the rate that I was spending it. So that was definitely like a huge, a huge wake up call for me. Now, something that you've mentioned also was the fact that you moved and you moved to a mm -hmm. high cost of living area. And mm -hmm. so I know like a lot of people feel like, especially in high cost of living areas, that they just can't address their debt on a single income. So what gave you the confidence that you could not only start addressing it, but that you could actually complete your debt free journey? Um, it actually took me a while to get there because I had that same um, mentality. Um, so when I first moved here, I lived right outside of D.C. Um, so anyone who's familiar with the DMV area, they know it's like it's not cheap out here at all. I think at the time I was renting a studio apartment. It's probably about 600 square feet and it was about $1,300. So it's, it's ridiculous out here. But I think for the longest, I used that as an excuse to not really address my debt or really not aggressively attack it because I'm like, well, actually, you're single. It's just your income as well as, you know, you're living in this area and everybody here has two, three jobs 
or they have two or three or four roommates to kind of offset their living expenses. Um, so I knew that I didn't want to sacrifice in that way. Like I prefer to live alone. So I was like, I have to do whatever it takes to make more income in order to address this debt. Since I know I didn't want to sacrifice by, you know, living with 10, 15 girls in a house or anything like that. So I definitely used that excuse at the beginning of the journey. And I feel like that's where I was kind of like lazy, like, oh, I'll, you know, send an extra $20 here. Um, but it wasn't until that I got serious, maybe I think it was September of 2018. And at the time, I had been unemployed for about six months and I just finally had one of those come to Jesus moments like nothing is going to change until I change it and me making excuses that this area is very expensive expensive, or me making excuses that I'm single or, you know, that I, I wish I could earn more, different things like that or feeling, um, you know, guilty about the past financial decisions that I made in the past wasn't going to cut it. So I definitely had like at least a good four five months of like that pity party, like, oh, it's just expensive here. Everybody's struggling. But I just really had to pull myself out of that. So you mentioned that you wanted to focus on earning more money. What were some of the mm -hmm. ways that you did that early on? So early on, um, so at the time, I was just wanting to make money, especially like once I lost my job. So I just happened to Google like side hustles or um, side hustles you can do from home. And one of the things that kept popping up was teaching English online. So I have no experience in teaching. Um, I'm the youngest in my family. So it's not even like I had like younger brothers or sisters that I would teach or like boss around. So I kind of just went for it. I watched a lot of YouTube videos to kind of like get through the interview process and I ended up getting that job and I just did that day and night, night and day. Like if there was any like free moment that I have, I would open up my schedule and like try to teach and I would just use that money at the time. I was just using it to just have an income while I was still like job searching um, but even before I would just do just different, just different side hustles. Um, like I said, I really like doing spreadsheets. So, um, a lot of my friends were like in finance or accounting majors. So I would help them with their homework and they would pay me like just random things. That's what I was doing in undergrad. So any, any way that I could make money, um, or anything that I could monetize, um, I was doing it. Okay. And so you start making an income. Right. You're you have the determination that I'm going to do this. So how were, how did you have to restructure the way that you manage money, the way you spent money um, in order to start making that progress? Like and specifically what I'm looking for is like, how were you budgeting? How did you organize your debts and those types of things? Mm -hmm. So um, I actually Googled that because I didn't really know much about budgeting. So um, and that's when Dave Ramsey and his program popped up. So I learned about zero-based budgeting. I read um, Total Money Makeover in probably like a day and a half. And that was like the first finance, personal finance book I've ever picked up. And um, he talked about zero-based budgeting. So I just kept reading more about it. So I remember at the time I was at Panera. And I had my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make my first budget and see how this goes. So I didn't have any paper. I didn't even do it in an Excel spreadsheet because I just didn't really know what it was supposed to look like. So at the time, I just had like a Panera napkin. So I just wrote on the back of the napkin. I wrote what my income was and then I wrote out all of my expenses. And that was actually the first time that I saw my debt like 
before my eyes. I think before I was just doing like a lot of mental math, like, well, I know I have like about 5,000 on this credit card. I know I have 7,000 on this credit card, but actually seeing it on paper is when it became real to me. Um, so having that zero-based budget is what worked the best for me. And then just writing out what my expenses were and seeing how much I was sending to debt each month versus how much was coming in is kind of like is what put the fuel under me. Like I have to get this under control. So you got your budget, right? You find the extra in there from, you know, the gap between your income expenses that you can send to debt. Once you lay everything out, like which method did you decide to use when you started addressing your debt? And why did you go that way over the other in terms of like snowball versus avalanche? Yeah, so I actually mapped out both. And I realized if I did the avalanche over the snowball, it would only shorten like my debt free journey by two months. So it didn't make a material impact. Like if it was like six months or a year, then I definitely would have um pick the other. So I ended up going with the snowball and that's kind of how I had listed my debts anyways. I just happened to list them um, from the smallest amount to the largest. So I was like, okay, well, I already have it down here on paper. So I might as well just like work my way down through the list. But once I um, put them both on paper and saw that doing the debt avalanche wouldn't have made a huge difference as far as timing, that's why I just went with the the debt snowball method. Gotcha. Okay. And, so, and earlier you mentioned that you know, you like to spend, you like to buy other people's stuff, you liked hanging out with your friends. And so I just want to know, like, as you're figuring your budgeting out, like, what were some of those spending habits that you had to really change uh, once you got serious about your debt? And then how hard was it to change those spending habits? Yeah, so I realized, and I feel like that's a part of a debt-free journey that maybe most people don't hear enough about or talk enough about is how important it is that you are self-aware of yourself, like your triggers of why you're spending money um, or why you're doing the things that you do. So if you're a natural saver, you know, there's maybe something from your childhood or a trigger or anything that, you know, allows you to be a natural saver. For me, I'm a natural spender. So I definitely had to become more self-aware of why do I feel like when I go into a store, like I have no self-control. Um, so a lot of that was just recognizing those triggers um, so at the time, being single and being in a new city and not knowing a lot of people, like my form of recreation was going to the mall or going to Target and spending money when I was bored. So say my friends were busy or, you know, anything like that. When I was bored, that was my trigger. Like, oh, well, let's just go to the store and like browse, quote unquote. But of course, I end up coming out with like a cart <laughs> full of things I didn't even plan for. So I think really just being aware of why I was spending money or why do, why did I feel like I need something? Because um, all of my needs were met as far as like utilities, rent, food, everything was met. But why did I feel like I needed to have this? And then just finding other things that I can do. Like, okay, if you're bored and you want to get out the house, there's other things I could do without spending money that's going to put me in a worse financial you know, situation than I was already in. Gotcha. And do you mind sharing your income range during your debt-free journey? Sure. Um, so at the time, I think so. Well, it started out a zero because I was unemployed and then I ended up getting a job maybe about seven to eight months later and I was at 65K. And then once I had a full um, full time income again, that's when I really 
buckled down and started working on my debt-free journey. Um, so I would say that my income range went from 65 to about 78 during um, my debt-free journey. So, and that's really interesting because I, I didn't even think about the fact that like at some point you got a job, right? And you went back to work. Mm-hmm. So did you continue doing the teaching side hustle that you were doing? I did. So by the time I did get a job, I had already been teaching for about six months and I had started putting money towards debt and then just seeing that number drop and seeing like, oh, I'm actually making some progress. I just got really addicted to like paying off debt. So I kept the side hustle and then I also picked up a part time job because I'm like, well, I still have more free time. Um, so I went I would do the teaching thing first thing in the morning because these children are in China, so they're 12 hours ahead. So I would teach from about 4.30 in the morning to about 6.30, 7 o'clock, go to my full-time job, and then leave my full-time job between like 5 and 6 in the afternoon and then go to my part-time job. So I kind of like when Dave Ramsey talks about gazelle intensity, I was like, oh, I have to do that. I need like all the jobs. So yeah, I definitely went a little crazy. Um, in the beginning, because I just became so addicted to seeing like that number drop and feeling like that rush when you pay off a credit card or that rush when you pay off, you know, a smaller student loan. So one of, I mean, one of the key things about the debt free journey is like how the people around you kind of react to the lifestyle changes and choices that you make, because people get used to a certain version of you. And then when you level up, it's like it's different, you know. So how did your friends and family react to you know, maybe you're not going out as much now. And, you know, now you're waking up early, you're side hustling, you're working a part-time job after work and all these other things. So what was their their take on your journey? Um, it was definitely, definitely, I would say that was probably the hardest part is just um, telling friends or family no to like certain events or certain trips. Um, and I think at first they thought like, oh, you know, she's just going to do this for a little while. And I think after a while when they saw like, oh, she's really committed, like she's not going to come to this birthday trip or she's not going to come with us to this restaurant. They realized I was serious about it. Um, I know my mom specifically was really worried about me because she thought I was working too much. And, you know, she just didn't want me to burn myself out or overexert myself. Um, but I think in the beginning, they were like, okay, this is maybe this is just like a phase that she's going through. But I think as the months went on and they saw I was just becoming more committed and I was trying to like grab money from wherever I could. So if that meant, you know, I was only eating twice a day versus eating three times a day, if that's like more money I can put towards my debt, like I was that type of person that I was all in and they just realized like, okay, she's too far gone. Like she's going to see this through. (laughs) Okay. And so how long did it take you to pay off your debt? It took me 22 months. Okay. And so now looking back on it, now that you've been debt free for a little while, like were all Mm -hmm. those challenges and sacrifices worth it getting to this point that you're at right now? It was in the, in the thick of it. And I've definitely had some burnout periods where I kind of had to like ease up a bit. Um, it was definitely worth it. I just feel like it almost feels like a haze now. Like I still, you know, remember it, but it almost seems like a haze because I was just so tired going from job to job to job. I was just trying to get through the day, go home, sleep, and then do it all over again the next day. So sometimes it seems like such a haze and it's almost surprising to me that I was able to do it because 
22 months sounds long, but it also feels short. It's, it's hard to explain, but it, I, I feel like I was just in a constant fog because I was just always trying to figure out how to make money, how to save money, how to put more money towards my debt. So I'm just glad I made it <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> so you mentioned there in your, in your last answer a little bit about burnout. So can you talk mm-hmm. to me about dealing with that? Because that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot either is dealing with those moments where you are tired because it can be a long mm-hmm. journey. You know, you get tired, you get frustrated. Uh, your friends are doing great things and you're like, oh, I want to do something. You know what I mean? So yes. talk about mm-hmm. how you personally dealt with those moments. Yeah, it was really tough. And I think what made it hard for me, or I won't say made it hard, but made it more difficult is um, right when I started my journey, I came across the debt-free community on Instagram. So I was so happy that there was a community like that on Instagram. And I created an account to kind of um, hold myself accountable and to just follow other like-minded people. But in doing so, on the flip side of that, I was comparing my journey to other people's journey. So I felt like, oh, well, if she was able to pay off 2000 and, you know, I don't know her income, I don't know anything. This is just a random follower on Instagram. Um, I felt like that's what always kept pushing me to do more and do more and do more. And I actually had an incident that caused me to have to slow down. And that incident was I was driving home from my full-time job to my part-time job. And I actually fell asleep while I was driving. And I, I was that tired. And I didn't realize I fell asleep until I had, I guess, veered on the side of the road. And, you know, on the side of the road, it's like ribbed. Um, and hearing that sound is what woke me up. And it's like right when I woke up, I saw like I was getting ready to hit the guardrail. So that was kind of like my wake up call. Like, Ashley, you're doing too much. You're putting too much on yourself. Like your debt is still going to get paid. It's not a race. You don't have to look at what other people are doing on Instagram. You know, if they're sending $5,000 every month, like you don't know their financial situation. Um, so I think that's when I really, um, knew I had to slow down. And then after that, I just had to take it at my own pace and know that, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to even be in a situation where I can aggressively pay off my debt while still maintaining like my monthly bills and everything. And I couldn't compare that to someone else. So what did you do to find more balance after that incident? Right. How did, how did it, how did the journey change for you after that? Uh, It definitely changed me a lot. So I ended up letting go of my part-time job and I like definitely reduced my hours teaching in the morning and I just started to do more things to take care of myself. So I thought that I was taking care of myself by getting myself out of debt. But in doing so, I had um, stopped working out. I stopped eating clean like I used to. So I just started to pay more attention to those things. And I just felt like beforehand, it was just like my mind was just constantly running like, okay, you sent 1500 to debt this month. What can you do to send 1700 So I just felt like my mind was just always in a constant state of motion. So I just started doing more things to really take care of myself, working out, going to therapy, um, spending time with friends, doing finding activities that are free that wouldn't, you know, mess up my budget for the month, um, but not constantly, you know, either trying to sell things in my home or trying to find another side hustle or try to squeeze another hour out of the day to make money. Gotcha. Okay. And mm-hmm. so once you hit submit on that last payment, what what was that moment like for you? How'd that feel? Uh, 
it was so surreal. Um, at the time, and I had mentioned this on my Instagram, that my debt-free date was the same day that um, the verdict came out for the Breonna Taylor case. And I just really, really, um, her story just really affected me. One, being from Kentucky, knowing like that could have been me, that could have been a friend of mine, a cousin of mine. So I feel like there was kind of a damper on the day after hearing the news um, from that case. Um, But I still wanted to, you know, go for it with my plan of celebrating. But I did definitely take a few days. So I hit submit and that felt good. But on the other hand, I just also felt, I don't want to say guilty, but just being able to be in a position to pay off debt, especially in the midst of this pandemic. And so many people are struggling. So many people have lost their jobs or have been furloughed. I think just having the heaviness of everything that's transpired in 2020, along with the decision on her case, definitely made me feel a lot heavier than I expected to feel because I just thought I would be doing cartwheels across my room, you know, when I hit submit. Um, So I didn't have that feeling, but I was just really grateful um, just to be in a position um, to pay off my debt, to be in a position to um, still be employed this year, to still be healthy, just all the blessings that I have. So I think um, I was just a lot more just grateful and mindful of the things that I do have that day, but I definitely didn't have that huge sense of excitement or exhilaration that I thought I would. Gotcha. That makes total sense. I can 100% relate to and understand that. Uh, And so the last thing I want to ask you is now that you're debt free, you freed up your cash flow. What goals are you working towards now? Yes. So Right now, I'm working towards um, saving for a down payment. I just always thought like living in the East Coast, I always thought when I would get older, I would probably move back to Kentucky or somewhere down South where like owning property is possible. And I'm not saying it's not possible here, but it just always seems so far-fetched, especially um, as a single woman, like to save up a down payment. But that's just something that I always wanted to do. And I've I put a little bit of money aside on my debt-free journey. I tried to send all extra money to my debt, but I still wanted to like feed that vision of owning something um, on the East Coast. But now being able to do so and not, you know, have a Navy and take half of my check, it feels amazing. So I actually just deposited uh, my first payment towards my house fund last week. So that actually felt better than um, submitting my last debt payment, knowing that I'm starting to work towards my future, knowing that um, dreams and goals that I thought weren't attainable for me, especially when I was in debt, um, it, it now seems clear. And I definitely just have a renewed sense of like, if I can pay off this debt in the amount of time, you know, that I've done, like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that I can't do if I don't put my mind to it. Um, so I'm just so happy for the future. Um, but saving, uh, definitely investing because I also paused um, all investing um, during my debt-free journey. So I definitely want to start investing again and really just um, be able to be generous. Um, um, I have a strong faith that, you know, God has given us money to be a good steward and to help out those um, that are less fortunate, especially during this time where there's a lot of people struggling. I just want to be in a financial position where I can be generous to family or friends if they ever find themselves in a, a situation. Awesome. Hey, Ashley, this has been incredible. Um, the last thing I like to do for these interviews, I like to ask a hypothetical question. So what would you say to the person who 
is in your situation, who's on a single income in a high cost of living area, but maybe they feel like I I could never do that, right? Like, what would you say to that person to give them some hope, a little inspiration uh, to go ahead and take that leap and start attacking their debt? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I would say. The first thing I would say is you have to be sure within yourself. Um, I think a lot of times, and I think because I kind of had a little mini debt-free journeys where I would kind of start and then stop, but I didn't have that same... Um, surety that I can do it. I I saw other people do it and I heard of other people, but it wasn't until I believed it for myself. And I think having that extra piece of like, I know that I can do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it at the time. I didn't know if it was going to be done in two years or three years, but I knew that I was going to stick with it. So I think just having that part that no matter how long um, it takes you, and not comparing yourself to others um, about your journey versus theirs or, you know, things they can continue to do that maybe your budget won't allow for you to do is really just staying focused, almost like having blinders on and just staying focused on your lane using your income. You can't be in anyone else's wallet and how they choose to spend money. So just being just knowing that you can do it and then also just staying focused. And then the next thing I would say is definitely getting around like-minded people because if all you follow on social media is celebrities or influencers, like you're going to always feel that tug of war of like, you know, they're spending money, I want to spend money. But I think really being around like-minded people. So if your friends, you know, aren't concerned about their finances or trying to aggressively pay off their debt, like find people that are like-minded because that's what's going to help you on those tough days when you want to give up. That's going to help you when you want to charge something on your credit card or put a trip on your credit card. Um, It's just being around other like-minded people. Awesome. That's a great answer. But actually, the last thing I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity to share where people can find you, where people can connect with you if they want to follow along as you continue on your wealth building journey. Yes, yes. So I actually just launched um, a podcast, uh, the Financial Key Podcast. So this is kind of like the second iteration. So my initial Instagram was just kind of following my or documenting my debt-free journey. So once I completed that in September, um, I just realized that there I found a passion for personal finance that I didn't know that I had. So that is what the podcast came out of. And on the podcast, I just talk just like how you and I are talking. I talk to other people who are in the middle of their debt-free journey, who's finished, um, who are just in different walks of life and at that's trying to build generational wealth. So um, you can definitely check out my podcast, the Financial Key Podcast, as well as on Instagram, um, the financial key. I do also do financial coaching. I paused it at the moment just to really put my energy into the podcast. Um, but that's where you can find me, Instagram. And then also on Twitter. My Twitter's a little dry, but I'm mainly on Instagram. <laughs> well, thank you again, Ashley, for joining me on this episode of the Win Into Wealth podcast. I'm going to be sure to link to everywhere that you guys listening can connect with Ashley, plus everything she mentioned throughout this episode on the show notes page, which can be found at winningtowealth.com slash episode 54. All right. Now it's time for this week's win of the week. And a part of this episode, I asked Ashley about the process of changing her spending habits. And she said something really interesting that that really struck a chord with me during the editing process. And it's something that we hadn't touched on much in the show. And that's really learning your spending triggers. See, Ashley would spend money when she was bored. 
And when I was racking up debt, I would spend money after a long or stressful day at work. Maybe you spend money when you have a good day as a way of celebrating, or maybe you always overdo it when you're with a group of friends or family. Knowing your spending triggers matters because it's going to put you back in control over your money instead of letting your emotions run the show. And it doesn't matter if it's a small amount or if you buy a new Louis Vuitton bag every time you encounter one of your spending triggers, because the problem, again, isn't what you buy or even how much you spend. The real problem lies in the fact that you aren't in control of your spending. Your emotions are. And that's a really dangerous place to be. Emotional spending is the type of spending that leads to financial shame, guilt, and even resentment in some instances. And so by stepping back and thinking about the situations that are most likely to cause you to make unplanned purchases, you'll go a long way towards identifying some of your biggest or most consistent spending triggers. And when you know your spending triggers, you'll be far more likely to stop and think before making that purchase out of emotion. So this week, take some time to think through and start to identify your spending triggers. And let me tell you, your spending plan and your net worth will definitely thank you for it. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and this interview with Ashley, be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. I greatly appreciate it. I love reading the reviews and it does help the show grow. Like I know when I'm looking for services online or whether I'm looking for podcasts or movies or TV shows or anything like that, um, the reviews are a way of validating me and showing, hey, this is great content. So it does help the show grow uh, when you leave those five-star reviews. Also, remember to grab your debt-free coloring charts for free for the remainder of this month and November at winningtowealth.com slash shop. That is winningtowealth.com slash shop. But hey, that's all the time I have for this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com. 